0: School Counselor Association, this is I Hear You Say, a podcast for school counselors and other leaders in education. I'm Jen Walsh, Director of Education and Training here at ASCA. For most of us, the holiday season is a joyous time, full of lots of love, happiness, relaxation, family, friends, and of course great food. However, many of our students don't share this same experience. Today we're talking to Kirsten Perry, the K-12 School Counseling Specialist in the Office of School Counseling and Post-Secondary Advising for Chicago Public Schools. Kirsten was named the 2018 School Counselor of the Year by the American School Counselor Association, and prior to her current position, she was a pre-K through 8th grade counselor at Lawndale Community Academy in Chicago, Illinois. Welcome Kirsten. Good morning. I hear you say that while the holiday season is a time of joy and cheer for most of us, some students may not have that warm, inviting experience that we look forward to each year.
1: Yes. Yeah, I had written an article about this time last year about this topic, and it did really resonate with me. And, and one, one big reason is that one of my very good friends is actually a grief and loss counselor. And her daughter had died um, at the age of nine And I've watched my friend go through the grief process over the years. And she, in becoming a grief counselor, she's taught me so much about the topic of loss. And I think that that's an important topic to think about this year because a lot of times the holidays can really amplify these feelings of grief and loss. So one thing my friend has taught me over the years is that there's really so many types of losses. And a lot of times we tend to just think of of death as As loss, but loss can be so many, take so many different forms. So that could be things like divorce or separation or incarceration, military deployment, deportation, moving, someone's house burning down, and losing all of your belongings. Um, These are all kinds of losses. And during the holiday season, when you're a child or even an adult that's experienced any kind of loss like this, the holidays can really amplify those feelings. So even though for many of us, this time of year can be something that's really rejoiceful and spending time with our families, um, for other students and families, it can be a really tough time of year because you're, you're thinking about how your life used to be. And having to re- remember that person that's no longer with you or or whatever happened that caused a significant change in your life. And so, you know, just keeping that in mind that not all students are are having that pleasant experience over the holidays. Another um, student that comes to mind is actually when I worked at Lawndale Community Academy. And I had a student who came into school and was displaying a lot of erratic behavior and we couldn't figure out what was going on with him and then after speaking with his mom i had learned that they were currently experiencing a temporary living situation where they didn't have anywhere to stay and the student i had found out um the mom told me that the night before that she could not find a shelter for them to stay in so she had made up a reason for her um child to be sick so that they could spend the night in the hospital. And that was about this time of year that that happened. And so it really made me think about that over the break for some families, it could also be a time where you don't have that comfort that school can bring, where you have food, you have somewhere to go, you have that support system there for you. Um, and so for some students, it could be a time of year where you don't necessarily know where you're going to sleep every day. And now being in the central office for Chicago Public Schools, not only have I had this experience with students um, working at the elementary school, but now at the district level, knowing that we have a population of homeless students, but also there are a number of students at the high school level that are homeless. Um, and oftentimes these there's a large percent of high school age students that are homeless, who are gay, lesbian, transgender. And so, you know, keeping in mind, there's a lot of high school students who who struggle with having a place to go and being displaced by their families. And so also keeping those students in mind. And then there's just so many other things that we might not always think about. The financial stress that the holidays can bring, family disputes, substance abuse, all these kinds of things can be happening during the holiday season um, and could be things that our students are witnessing, you know, before they come back to school that can cause them a lot of anxiety and stress. There's also things like community violence and theft.
0: Right. So many good things can happen during the holiday season, but bad things can happen too.
1: I actually had my own car broken into one year, I think it was the day before Christmas Eve. Uh, my car was broken into, me and my stereo was stolen. And happy holidays, my. Sister. But um, when I told the parking garage attendant, he said that I wasn't the first person that had happened to. So, but there is a lot of that kind of stuff that happens around the holidays too. And I do think it it comes from that same place of financial stress and wanting to pro- be able to provide for your families. And so, just keeping those things in mind. I mean, there's. I think the majority of students have a pleasant experience over the holidays but keeping in mind that even if it's just those one two and three students that it's important that we acknowledge what they're going through.
0: Right. And provide support when we can and where we can. Sounds like it can be just a constant reminder of things that you've perhaps lost or of uh, struggles that you're experiencing. Those struggles can be heightened. Are you seeing that students are experiencing trauma when they go out for break and then coming back with symptoms of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's actually a really good point. I mean, I think a lot of these things that I even mentioned can be traumatic. I mean. Like I was talking about my car stereo being stolen. I mean, there's homes that get burglarized during the holidays and that could be traumatic or just another thing that's interesting to think about too, um, when I was talking about loss and loss, like I said, can take a lot of different forms and you kind of have to treat it in the same way as you would grieving the loss of a person through death. But all these different forms of loss, like divorce and separation, you kind of have to begin building your new reality with that missing person. But also, in some cases, it could be the opposite. So maybe you had a parent that was incarcerated or you had a parent that was deployed in the military and and you're used to them not being there. And sometimes it could be the opposite, that they return and they change the dynamic in the family. And sometimes it could be positive and sometimes it could be negative. But I think that all of these cases that I just mentioned can cause a certain level of trauma. And even how I mentioned substance abuse and, and, you know, being a young child and maybe witnessing a family argument or something like that could be very um, traumatizing. And I think another important thing to think about with trauma is that the way students exhibit behaviors that would raise an alarm for us to, to know that they've experienced trauma are so different. If that, But students can sleep a lot. They can cry. They could be angry. They can do a really good job covering it up, and so you know with traumas, you know you're not always necessarily going to see signs of it, but when you do, the signs can come in so many different forms. So just to keep that in mind that if a student's sleeping in in class, there might be something behind that or something will happen rather than just assuming that you know why they're sleeping or they're just not doing their work or whatever, but really doing a deeper investigation because trauma and the symptoms of trauma don't look the same for every individual.
0: Right. It manifests itself differently and can often be confused with other things. We'll hear more from Kirsten in a minute, but first, did you know that the American School Counselor Association offers a wealth of resources on how to support students struggling with anxiety, grief, and trauma? Ask a U offers courses on these very topics. You can find these resources on our website, schoolcounselor.org, under the professional development section, under the Ask a U specialist section. We also offer a variety of webinars on this topic and magazine articles, as well as journal and research articles. School counselors can play an important role in helping students and families feel supported before and during the holiday season, as well as when they return from break. Yes,
1: that's true. There's so many ways that school counselors can support um, students and families this time of year. I think one of the most important things is to make sure that we've identified community resources to help families. I feel very strongly that that is an important role of a school counselor. So really making sure that you look out into the community for those different types of supports that students might need. So that could be shelters, food depositories, safe havens, childcare, and counseling services. In Chicago, we have a department actually that is specifically geared towards homeless students or students in temporary living situations. It's required that all that there's two people in every school that have been trained. and through that office we're given um, available resources for students and families to have. so that could be things like you know crisis hotlines, counseling services, child care, housing, all of those things that I just mentioned. And one thing that I think is important is that we make this information available to students and families. So, you know, it is required in our district that when we discover that a family is in a temporary living situation or homeless that we share this this information with those families. But I also think it's important to keep in mind all those unreported cases and I know for certain when I was at Longdale there was families who were probably struggling but never said anything and never told anybody because they were ashamed or they didn't want anybody to know what they were going through. So I think it's important to also not just share on this information with families that you know are experiencing these types of things, but to make sure that you share it with the entire school community. So I know one thing that I would do this time of year is as we're sending home school calendars or things happening Within the school, um, this time of year, I would also include in that packet, like a list of resources so that when these packets went home with all the kids, that families would get them. And so it's kind of an indirect way of making sure families are aware of resources that they have access to. So I think it's important to make sure families get that information. Um, So that's one way that I, I did it also making sure these kind of resources are visible in the school. So making sure they're put on bulletin boards and, you know, maybe your school website, um, sharing it on social media is always a good thing. School has like a newsletter that you send home. And and like I said, sometimes it's good to make it a little bit more discreet for, especially for families who, who might feel ashamed or students that might feel ashamed. You know, maybe it could be your general newsletter and there's a little small section of it, letting families know who they could reach out to if they need help. And maybe, you know, the school counselor corner, like, these are things I'm here to support you with, and this is how you could reach me. Um, and just making sure families have that have that information.
0: This time of year can be a reminder to students of what they may not have, but it's also a time of year where people are feeling more generous.
1: Another big thing that I did when I was at Lawndale is a fundraising really amazing to me, I was at Lawndale for a little over three years and I was able to raise around seventy five thousand dollars. And I don't think that fully captures everything. Like a lot of that is actually doll amount kind of stuff that was donated, but that doesn't include individual items. But what amazed me is that there's so many people that want to give. It's just a matter of asking and putting it out there and And sometimes people would just reach out to us and it wasn't anything that we sought out. People just reach out to us, but there's so many people that do want to give this time of year. And so really tapping into that. So we would do things like having turkeys donated and food baskets and coats and blankets. I know last school year, we had a gift for every single student in the school.
0: Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Wow.
1: And that really made us feel good to know that even if even if a student, you know, might not be getting a gift. um, We know when they're at home that we know that they at least, every every one student got at least one gift that they could open.
0: And it's also not singling anyone out again to make sure that we're sensitive to, you know, embarrassment and shame that some students and families may feel. Right, right. Yeah,
1: so definitely, you know, tapping into that and you know, sometimes those little things can make a big difference in a child's life.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about tips on how to locate these resources within the community? I know that you mentioned that in the Chicago public schools, each school has to have two people trained, but for schools that may not have that type of district level support, any tips on how to do that? Yeah, so
1: like I said, the district would provide us with one papers of resources, but even in Chicago being such a large city and each community is so unique and has its own unique resources that I would go beyond that list that was given to me. So I so sometimes just doing your own research and getting on Google and compiling your own list, and I've definitely done that as well. in Chicago, I worked in three different communities, and they all had unique resources within within each community. Um, so I would say that for for uh, school counselors, you know working in suburban or rural areas or in districts that maybe don't have lists that they provide. Just to do your own investigation. I think another important thing nowadays is even, you know, taking advantage of the internet and what the internet can provide. So I know I had mentioned my friend earlier who was a therapist, but she does virtual therapy as well. You know, I don't care where you live. Sometimes going to a therapist is very inconvenient. And so just, you know, also taking advantage of those kind of resources if families need that kind of support and maybe it's too far from home or it's too inconvenient, really taking advantage of the internet and services that can be provided virtually. And definitely crisis hotlines are always a good way to go if you really just don't know. I actually used to volunteer at a, at a crisis hotline and they have a database that they work through. So they have access to all resources, not only in your state, but throughout the country, I believe. And so really taking advantage of those hotlines they usually have. If you're looking for a resource and you don't know where to find it, when in doubt, call a hotline because they have access.
0: a quick tip on how best to support students when they return from break or uh, perhaps a quick tip on how central office can support school counselors in supporting their students during the holidays.
1: Yeah, so I think one really important thing to think about when students are returning um, is, is any of those students that you have identified before going on break as being potential students to maybe not have a great winter break so maybe you know your homeless students if you have a student who lost a parent or sibling or grandparent or someone very close to them to make sure you check in with those students and I know I mentioned homeless students but I think for me coming from a grammar school I think about little kids and their parents but for high school counselors out there to think about if you know those students who don't have a stable home um, to stay in over the break and you know who those students are to make sure that you are returning from break, that you check in with them and see how they're doing. And, and I think it's also important to think too that sometimes kids don't want that attention and they don't want people to know that you're checking in with them. So you need to, depending on the student, some students are okay with it and other students are not maybe thinking of discrete ways to do that. And also checking in with their parents, if it's a younger child or an older child, just really thinking about that. I remember one year I had a student who really needed a coat um, and I was able to get him a coat. And I remember I was so excited that I got him this really brand new, awesome coat and I wanted to give it to him because I was so excited and it was about to be recess and it was a little cold outside and I went to go bring it to him and I Saw him looking at me as I was coming near, and he gave this look to me, like "Don't come by me." And I know that he saw the coat, and he knew why I was coming by, and I and I caught the signal and and didn't go by him because I realized it would have been very embarrassing for him. So, so sometimes just to think about that too, and returning that check in with those kids that you you knew were going to have a have a hard time, and kind of that same. Concept two, making sure that you're giving resources out for the whole school in discreet ways for anybody who might need help or, or having a referral process in place if students need to be referred for a group or whatever, that you have those systems in place. And definitely making sure staff knows how to identify certain things. They see that students sleeping or upset or to make sure that they're referring, because it could be that there was something that happened over the break that we don't know about. And I think from central office, same thing, just providing resources and making sure counselors and are aware to look out for these kinds of things, because they do happen over the break.
0: The coat story that you just told, I think is a really good example of how we can build trust with students, the fact that you were trying to support the student and help them with their needs, but then were also sensitive to other needs, like not feeling embarrassed in front of their peers. I think that that really is a great example of how to build trust so that in the future they feel comfortable if they're experiencing other issues to come to you again, rather than be embarrassed to, to seek out your help. That's awesome. Are there any other ways that school counselors can help students during the holidays?
1: Yeah, so one thing that really I had to think about is these winter break assignments. So these assignments usually happen before students go on break. These could be assignments like, what are you planning to do over your winter break? Or you could have those assignments when you return from break. What, what did you do over your break and I really advise to refrain from those assignments and I do really believe that majority of students do have a pleasant story to tell uh, but just keeping in mind that there are those handful of students that don't based off of everything that we've been talking about today I mean there's probably more more than all of us even realize that happen over the break and one one bit of advice that I have is is rather than, coming back and talking about what you did over the break, maybe instead doing something like an excite you know, a return to school and let's let's celebrate what we're gonna be doing moving forward and making it more like a big welcome back to school type of thing. And I think that if you think about those kids that maybe didn't have somewhere to go or or had a very unpleasant experience and then coming back to school and there's a big welcome back that's going to benefit all students. And so I guess kind of keeping that in mind, though the majority of students probably do have that good story to, to tell, there is that handful that don't. And so how can we kind of re, reframe how we do those assignments? And I think doing a welcome back is a way that you can make all students excited, including that handful of students that didn't have the best time. So kind of thinking about refraining from those assignments. And I think one thing a school counselor could do is help teachers to see that so that those type of assignments are not given. And then, of course, like I said, you know, having a referral process or being aware of student needs. And there can be so many different needs, students suffering with grief and loss or having their parents get divorced and and those types of things that can be really amplified by the holidays your parents are divorced and you're used to having them together and and suddenly it's not like that anymore. But really paying attention to the different needs of students. And so another thing school counselors could do is have groups for students. And these can be groups that are led by the counselor. I know one thing I did at Lawndale too is I would invite some community partners into the school, especially if I felt like it was a topic that was not something that I was particularly trained in. Um, I remember I had a student one year who was raped by an older man. And, and so I had brought in a woman who specifically was trained in that topic to support the student. And so she will come into the school. Um, so sometimes reaching out into the community and, and helping to match students with those resources and, you know, some families or students don't want their students to receive services in the school. So sometimes matching them with outside services and, like I said earlier, really taking advantage of the, of the Internet um, and virtual therapy um, can also be really beneficial to students and families.
0: Each segment with sharing something that gives you hope. So, during this holiday season, what gives you hope?
1: That is such a good question, and it's such a, a hard question to answer to think about one particular thing. You know, really, it's these younger kids that give me so much hope. You know, I look at everything going on in the world and I see these young kids out there with their new ideas, uh, their fresh perspectives really gives me hope for the future. My son is actually in college, and he's studying social entrepreneurship, which is basically um, forming a business to do social good, and so I hear him and his friends talking about society and the future, and it it just really gives me hope, um, looking at these young kids and, and seeing what are they going to do and, and how they're going to you know, make society better. So I, that gives me hope. It's the youth.
0: What better field to be in than working with the youth every day to make them become who they're going to be and send them out into the world to do all those good things. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten, for your time today. This has been I Hear You Say from the American School Counselor Association. Thank you all for listening today and we here at Aska wish you the happiest of holidays.